0: Father, we give you praise. Father, we give you glory. We give you honor, rock of ages. We give you honor, ancients of days. We magnify your name because you are holy. We give you praise because you are faithful. Receive the glory. Receive the adoration. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Good evening, brothers and sisters, and welcome to Fresh Manor Bible Studies. Thank you all again for connecting this evening to study the Word of God. We are going to continue from where we stopped last time. We've been talking about uh, cases and blessings, and this is the third week of that uh, teaching. I believe that today is the most important uh, week. And so I like to pay attention because if you pay attention to what we're going to teach today, when we start praying to execute what we're going to learn today, you will be in a better position to pray the prayers because you understand fully what it means to pass from curses to blessings. Last week we said that if you are going to pass from Cases to blessings, there was one thing you needed to understand, and that was understanding the divine exchange. We said you have to understand that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he took your place. In fact, he died in your place. So there was an exchange that took place. Just like he was a man without sin, he was a man without captivity, without debt, without bondage. He took your place and died in your place, died for your sins, died for your iniquity, died for your everything that you could possibly be suffering, that you may live a brand new life, that you may be free. The Bible says Jesus Christ became a curse for us so that we may become the righteousness of God. So there is an exchange. That happened when Jesus Christ died. And it's on that exchange that we stand to execute or protect or project our freedom. So today, I just want to summarize what this divine exchange is all about before we go on there. Jesus Christ was punished that we might be forgiven. Jesus was wounded that we might be healed. Jesus was made sin with our sinfulness that we might become the righteousness with his righteousness. Jesus Christ died our death that we might share in his life. Jesus became poor with His, with our own poverty that we might become rich with his riches. Jesus bore our shame that we might share in his glory. Jesus endured our rejection that we might have his acceptance as children of God, Jesus became a curse that we might receive a blessing. The Bible sums this up in one grand, all-inclusive word, salvation. So when we actually get saved, we have received salvation. And salvation describes all the things that I just mentioned. All the things that Jesus Christ did for us that I just mentioned is what is embodied In salvation. So, in a nutshell, if you are not saved, if you are not born again, this divine exchange is not for you. If you have not received Jesus Christ into your life as your personal Lord and Savior, then this passing from curses to blessings is not for you. Because you can only pass from curses to blessings if you surrender to Jesus Christ. And so if you're listening to me today and you're not yet born again, this could be your day to start a new life in Christ, free from curses, free from bondage, free from afflictions, free from all satanic manipulation. Because when Jesus Christ died, he died for you, that you may live a new life, that you may live in righteousness, you may be healed, you may become free and become rich because of his poverty. And so, and I said that the reason, if this is so, if this is so that Jesus Christ died in our place and we are free, why are so many believers still under curses? Which I said last week, the root summary of everything is ignorance. Is that no one enters into this, uh, to all the variety of provisions of salvation, simultaneously. You cannot just enter into all these things that I mentioned above simultaneously because you gave a life to Jesus. It is by, it, you cannot do that by a single transaction. It is a progress that goes from stages to stages. Okay, many Christians never go beyond the stage of having their sins forgiven. They are not aware of the many provisions that are freely available to them after they, their, after they received Jesus Christ into their lives as Lord and Savior. So, many people just end at a point where they surrender their lives to Jesus, but they do not understand that there is something much more than just praying the sinner's prayer and hoping to get to heaven. All these things that we mentioned above, they are all inclusive in the package of salvation. And so today, we are going to go further now and uh, study the seven steps to release yourself from a curse. Seven steps to release, to be released from a curse. Now, if you are going to be free from any curse whatsoever, you can do so by following this uh seven steps, which I'm about to share with you right now. I want you to pay attention because today I'm going to teach about these seven steps. And on Friday, during our prayer meeting, we are going to follow these seven steps to pray on Friday. So if you do not understand what I'm teaching today, you'll be praying without knowledge on Friday. So I want you to follow and pay attention because if you understand these seven steps very well, When we pray on Friday, I don't know, I don't care whatever kind of curse that you may be under, that curse shall be broken. So I need you to pay attention today as we teach on these seven steps to be released from a curse. We're going to go right away. Number one, the first step to initiate your release from a curse is confess your faith in Christ and in his sacrifice on your behalf. Confess your faith in Christ and in his sacrifice on your behalf. In Romans chapter 10, verse 9 to 10, Paul explains that there are two essential conditions for receiving the benefits of Christ's sacrifice. To believe in the heart that God raised him from the dead, and to confess with our mouth that he is Lord. Those are the two things that Paul says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 to 10. If we have to confess our faith in Christ and in his finished work on the cross for us, we have to believe and then we have to confess with our mouth. Without that, those two, our confession is not effective. And of faith in the the heart is not fully effective until it has been completely confessed with the mouth. The word confess simply means to say the same thing as, which means we are saying the same thing just like it is said in the Bible. This is what the word confess means. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1, Jesus Christ is called the high priest of our confession. Now, when we make the right scriptural confession concerning him it releases his priestly ministry on our behalf to receive the benefits of Christ's sacrifice we need to make our confession specific and personal for example Lord Jesus I believe that you are the son of God and the only way to go and that you died on the cross for my sins and rose again from the dead to give me a new life that is a personal Confession. So, it is possible to have said the singer's prayer to be going to church that have never really made a confession in the finished work of Jesus Christ, which brings you freedom. So, the first step is to confess. Because we studied that there was a divine exchange, and that divine exchange is the sole basis for which we get free from any curse. So, if you do not confess to that divine exchange which was made for you, there is no way you can be free from any curse or any bondage or any satanic oppression, the first step that initiates your freedom, your emancipation, your release is to confess your faith in Christ and in His finished work on the cross. In one of our tenets, we say that the justification and sanctification of the believer through the finished work of Christ. We are justified and sanctified because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. So whenever we confess to Christ, we confess the finished work of Christ, we confess our faith in Christ, and we confess his sacrifice that was made on our behalf, then we initiate, we activate the process of release from any curse. Number two, number two step to being free from a curse, is repentance from all rebellion and sins. Repent of all your rebellion and your sins. Number two is repentance. There are many who have, there are many external factors, even going back to previous generations, that have contributed to, to the curse that may be in your life. Nevertheless, the root cause of all your problems lies within yourself. It is summed up in that one word Avon which is also translated in English, iniquity. Your rebellious attitude towards God and the sin that results from it. Rebellion. Sin is defined as rebellion towards God. So in order to be free from the consequences of that rebellion, which is a curse, we have to repent from that sin. For this, you must accept personal responsibility. Because you can receive God's mercy, before you can receive God's mercy, he requires that we repent. This must be a deliberate decision on our path, to lay down our rebellion and submit ourselves without reservation to all that he requires. A person who has truly repented does not argue with God. You give all to God. You surrender all to him. Without repentance, no effective faith in Christ is possible. Many professing Christians are continuously struggling for faith because they have never fully met the condition of repentance. And that is why they pray prayers of release. They try to break curses and it never works because they've never really repented of their sins. Consequently, they do not receive the full benefits of Christ's sacrifice. For example, here is a, a small prayer that you can pray to repent. Mind you, when we are going to be praying on Friday, these prayers are going to be elaborate. But this is just an example. I give, you, I give up all my rebellion and all my sins, and I submit myself to you as my Lord. I turn away from everything I know to be seen to follow you wholeheartedly in Jesus' name. But on Friday, we understand, like I said, that some of the sins we are going to repent from and confess may not be necessarily things that we have done, Maybe the sins of our ancestors, the sins of our fathers, of our forefathers. We are going to take personal responsibility to confess them so that the consequences of those sins will be broken off our lives in the name of Jesus. When teaching about repentance, I said that repentance is not just saying sorry in order to appease God and our God's wrath. It's not just saying, I'm sorry, because of the consequences. Repentance is a deliberate choice to turn away from that thing and with an intention to never go back to it. If you are saying you're sorry, but there is no deep conviction in your heart to turn away from that action, it is not repentance. If you are in such a position where you're, you're committing the same thing over and over and over, where you keep saying, sorry, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, over and over, you are not repenting. They are not repenting. When you repent, the picture of repentance is one eighty, a to one eighty U turn. I was going uh, south, and the moment I realized that oh, I'm going the wrong direction, I made a U turn. I start going north. That is repentance. Or oh, I was going east, and the moment I realized that I made a mistake, I start going west. That is repentance. If you just stop and be sorry and say, I'm sorry, but you have no desire to walk away from that thing that you know to be sin, it's not repentance. So, as we confess our sins and the sins of our ancestors and take responsibility, also take responsibility to walk away from whatever you know to be sin. Because if you do not walk away, the curses cannot go away from, from your life. So the second step is repentance. Complete and total repentance. So as I say repentance involves a change of mind. It involves a change of heart. It involves a change of will. If they put you in this same condition next time, will you do it again? Until you come to the place where you start detesting and regretting that action with no desire to repeat it again, your repentance is not effective. Number three step to being released from a curse is claiming forgiveness for all sins. Claiming forgiveness for all your sins. The great barrier that keeps God's blessings out of our lives is unforgiveness or unforgiving sin. God has already made provision for our sins to be forgiven. But he will not do so until we confess them. If we confess our sins, the Bible says he is faithful and he is just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. God is faithful to do this because he has given us his promises. He has given us his promises. That is why he is faithful to do this because he has given us his promises and he always keeps his promises. He is also just because the full penalty of our sins has already been paid by Jesus. It may be that God has a plan shown, God has shown you how, God has a plan for you. He wants you to be free from every curse. But in order for you to get into that freedom, you have to take responsibility to ask for forgiveness, to confess the sin that you think may have resorted to this curse that is operating in your life. If God has shown you certain things that open you up to a curse, you have to make specific confession to those things. For example, if you feel like there is something you did, or there is something that happened to you, in your family or your ancestors that is responsible for the difficulties and the curses that you may be experiencing or people in your family may be experiencing, you have to confess to that particular sin. You know, it is also possible that a curse has come to, on you because of the sins committed by your ancestors, especially idolatry or the involvement in the occult. You may not bear the guilt of the sins of your ancestors but you may be affected in various ways by the consequences of your sin. If you know this to be the case, ask God for release from those consequences. Now here is a suitable prayer that covers uh, this forgiveness. I confess all my sins before you, and I ask you for forgiveness, especially for the sins that expose me to a curse. On behalf of my ancestors, I confess any sin that has brought me or my family under a curse. Savior of my soul, release me. Release me also from the consequences of all my ancestors, from, from consequences of all my ancestors' sins in the name of Jesus. Like I said, this is just an example. As we're teaching on Friday, we will have this elaborated, and we will pray this seven-step prayer in a detailed form. And I believe that on Friday as you pray this prayer, no matter the curse, it shall be broken. It shall be broken. And after you pray this prayer on Friday and you believe that you're free, even if the devil or whoever come and tell you again that you're under a curse, don't believe it because whoever the Son of Man sets free is free indeed. Forgiveness. We have to receive forgiveness. It is important because I remember Uh, One of our mothers asked the question that what if the person who committed all the sins in your family has died? What do you do that they are no longer alive? And And this is where it becomes important. All you have to do is to confess that sin. We know many of our grandfathers were involved in occult and all kinds of witchcraft traditions. You may even come from a family where your grandfather was a voodoo priest or your grandfather was involved in some kind of masquerade tradition and you understand that all those things were idolatry. You can't go back to change what they did, but you can take responsibility for their actions because the consequences of their actions may be manifesting in your life. You can take responsibility on their behalf, confess those things, and obtain forgiveness from God so that the curse that may be manifesting in your life as a result of their actions may be broken. So we obtain forgiveness. Number three. Number three, this is number four, sorry. Number one was confess your faith in Christ and in his finished work. Number two was repent from all your rebellion and sin. Number three was confess, I mean, was claim forgiveness for all your sins. And then number four now is forgive all other people who have ever harmed you or wronged you. Another great barrier that can keep God's blessing out of our lives is unforgiveness in our hearts towards other people. In Mark chapter 11, Jesus put his finger on this as something we must deal with. He says, if we expect God to answer our prayers, this is what Jesus says, And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. The same principle runs throughout the New Testament. If we want God to forgive us, we must be prepared to forgive others. If we want God to forgive us, we must be prepared to forgive one another. Forgive anyone who has offended you. God may now be bringing to your mind some people or persons whom you need to forgive. If so, begin to write them down. I want you to take this day all the way to Friday to reflect. Think about somebody who offended you in the past. It may be your father, maybe your mother, a brother, a sibling, an aunt, an aunt and uncle, a grandfather, your mother-in-law, your father-in-law, a, a classmate, you know, an, an old neighbor, a tenant, an old classmate, a kindergarten teacher, a high school teacher, somebody in the university, whatever stage in your life that you think about. I want you to reflect and write anyone down. Write their names down because we are going to deliberately pray and forgive them because we are not forgiving them for them. We are forgiving them for us because Jesus Christ says if we do not forgive them, he will not forgive us. The picture that is painted is like uh, you owe somebody $1,000 and another person is owing you $10,000 and the person says The only way that I'm going to pay you this $10,000 is if you pay the person you're owing the $1,000. It would be stupid to refuse to pay the person $1,000 when you know that if I pay this $1,000 to the person that I'm owing, I stand a chance to receive $10,000. What I am paying out is far less compared to what I'm going to receive. That is what forgiveness means. When we hold grudges and refuse to forgive the people who have offended us, We deprive ourselves of a bigger blessing, of a bigger favor, of a bigger breakthrough. Just because of some some small growth that we may be be holding in our hearts, we may be actually closing the door to something glorious that God wants to do in our lives. Forgiveness. So if you're listening to me tonight, you have anybody, maybe your family, or somebody in your community, somebody you know that has offended you in the past, Forgiving them is doing yourself good. Nelson Mandela once said, refusing to forgive somebody is like drinking poison and expecting someone else to die. That is what he said. Refusing to forgive somebody is like drinking poison and expecting someone else to die. So if you're listening to me today and you have some kind of grudge against a fellow brother or a sister or a friend and you are not forgiving them, it is you that will die. Not them. And unforgiveness scientifically has proven to cause diseases, stroke, high blood, and all kinds of health complications because of the weight of that pain, of that grudge, that resentment that you carry in your hand. And so forgive. We have to forgive. If you want to pray this prayer as we're going to pray on Friday, this is something we can say, we can say it out loud. Lord, I forgive. You name the person who who's, uh, who are involved. Name the persons who are involved. You can say, I forgive. Margaret, I forgive. Susan, I forgive. Any body that comes to your mind that might have offended you, you mention their names in this place and forgive. I say, Lord, I forgive this person. You know, the names you always find hardest to mention are those you really need to forgive. There are some people that you don't even want to mention or even call. Sometimes when people say, Well, I don't have any problem with them. No, I just I don't just want to deal with them. Sometimes those statements are, are an indication that you've not forgiven. So we pray and say, by a decision of my will, I forgive all who have harmed me or wronged me, just as I want to be I want to be forgiven by God. In in particular, I forgive you name the person, I forgive this person, I forgive that person, I forgive this person, we are going to pray that on Friday. Pray that on Friday. Especially people that have unforgiveness issues with their parents. It is a great barrier to God's blessings in your life. People that have issues with with unforgiveness with their parents, they always have some difficulties going on in their life in one area or the other. So we have to make sure that this Friday we release everyone that may have been imprisoned in our hearts so that we ourselves may be free. Like I said, Jesus Christ says, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who trespass against us. The picture in this prayer is that our forgiveness of others is that directly really proportional to the forgiveness we receive from God. Meaning the measure with which I forgive the people that have offended me is the same measure that God is going to forgive me for my sin. If I refuse to release those who have offended me, God will not also release me from any sin that I've committed against him. And we know that when, when we, when we sin against people, when people sin against us, the only consequences that the people may face is that they may face rejection, they may face our grudges. But when we, when we sin against God, we stand a higher chance to lose things from God. So do yourself a favor. Make up a mind to forgive whosoever might have offended you in the past or present. And so I want to call your attention to reflect throughout this week. Write down, if there is, as you meditate, God will bring to your spirit maybe some people that you, you, you even forgot about but you, didn't, you never forg- forgave. Listen, forgetting about something doesn't mean you forgave. Maybe somebody offended you a long time ago, maybe 10 years ago, and you you had a grudge, but you move on, but you never forgave. Forgetting does not mean you, for, you, for, you, you, forgot, you forgave the person. Maybe somebody offended you in primary school, It was a prim- kindergarten teacher, or your headmaster, or headmistress, or a classmate, and you had a grudge, serious grudge, but you grew up and you forgot about it. It doesn't mean you forgave. Now, during this period, if the Holy Spirit brings that to your mind, do not ignore it. I want you to write all those names down, whether it's family members, friends, relatives, neighbors, classmates, colleagues, and deliberately mention their name and say, I forgive this person, I forgive this person, I forgive this person, so that we can be free from whatever sin that has brought us a curse. In Jesus' name. Number five. Number five way to be free from any case is renounce all contact with anything occultic or satanic. Renounce all contact with anything occultic or satanic. Before you come to the actual prayer of release, there is one further step you have to take, which is very important. You must renounce all contact with anything occultic or satanic. This includes a very wide range of activities and practices, which I'm going to name few and summarize by most uh, deliverance preachers or preachers that deal with curses or teach on curses. The first, which some of these things, when I mention them, you will have been a while. I never knew this was serious because there are many things that we practice or do, especially in the Western world, and we don't even understand their origin. We don't even understand the already. Let me tell you something. I was telling you the last time about symbols, pictures, and signs. You don't have to believe in a sign for for the power behind that sign to work in your life. You don't have to. There are certain symbols and certain signs that you do. And once you do, you invoke the spirit or the power that works behind that sign. For example, if a man has unprotected intercourse with a woman and one of the persons is HIV positive, you don't have to believe in the HIV virus in order to get it. The mere fact that you had unprotected contact is an open door for the virus to creep into your life. So there are certain signs that we may be manifesting or projecting or venerating or adorating in our lives that whether we are conscious of them or not, we invoke the spirit or the powers that were behind those signs. And so one of, the things, one of the reasons that we may not be experiencing the blessings of God in our lives, maybe because of those demonic or cultic signs that we are there with. Recently, I was watching, we watched a lady on YouTube with my wife who was confessing her. She got free. She was a minister of deliverance. Preaching deliverance to other people, but she just felt there was something opposing her. She couldn't get married. There was something just keeping her in bondage. And after serious prayers and serious uh, inqu- inquiry from God, God finally brought her to the place to understand that the cause of her stagnancy, the cause of her problems, was the sorority that she joined in school. Now, many of us go to colleges and we join all these sororities and schools and all these small groups and we think, oh, it's just a social group. No. There is a higher agenda behind all those groups that many people who join do not know. That is why they make you swear in, they make you take oaths, and all those oaths, you're not taking oaths to God. You're taking oaths to Satan without you knowing. So it was until this girl confessed and rejected that thing, and she was surprised that during her prayer, she was manifesting and crawling on the ground. But this was somebody that used to minister deliverance to other people. So sometimes you may be suffering and not receiving all the blessings that God has for you because of your involvement in occult and and, and satanic activities, which I'm going to explain some of them to you. Number one, we have what we call acupressure, acupuncture, Astral projection. Many of you don't understand what is astral projection. I'm going to explain some of these things, but some of them I may not have time to explain. Astral projection is people that are able to travel. They are able to travel out of their souls through meditation. For example, through astral projection, I can actually sit here through some meditation, some kind of music, like classical music that you see. Uh, sometimes I used to wonder why, why, why many people, some particular people love classical music. But most people that are involved in the occult like this music because it helps them to translate out of their bodies when they are traveling. You can actually be here and attend a meeting with your soul in another country through astral projection. And you can do that through deep meditation. Astral projection, hypnosis. We used to watch shows, especially on, on America's called Talent and all these big shows where Somebody is doing hypnotizing people where they can make you sleep. They will do something and say, look like this, and you look, look, they make you sleep. It's not natural. There is a power involved. There is a power involved. Also, martial arts. You don't understand that when we watch movies, especially Chinese movies, we see all these Kung Fu and all these things. It's not just a, a fight. It's like a religion. Kung Fu and all these things is a religion, and they have a God to whom... All those bowing and all those things they do is ascribed to. Many people just think it's a sport and they get involved themselves in. They invoke supernatural power, mind control, mind dynamics, parakinesis, table tipping, telekinesis, touch healing, witchcraft, astrology. We just do it. uh, Zodiac sign. Those who believe in horoscope. If you were born between the Mondays, you fall under the zodiac sign. If you are practicing those things, You are involving yourself with the occult or satanic practices. Automatic writing, channeling, clear audience, which is hearing voices, people that hear voices and they tell you what those voices are saying. Clairvoyance, people that see. You call somebody a seer, they're not a prophet, but they're a seer. Or mediums. You you go to mediums and they say, I'm seeing it, I'm seeing that. Those are occultic practices. Crystal balls, diagnosing by color therapy or pendulum. I remember when I was a, in high school, whenever somebody stole, we had this thing we used to do, they call key and Bible. You take a key and tie it in the center of the Bible. I think it was in a particular psalm, and you tie it, and you put it in. If you call the name of the person and say, did this, this person steal this, the Bible will steal. You know, we do things like that, and we think it's just a natural thing. No, it was actually an occultic practice. Occultic practice. Handwriting analysis through satanic powers horoscopes, like I said, erodology, ir- Kabbalah, mediums, mind reading, numerology. I was actually talking to one of our sitters and I said, numerology is a science of numbers. But when you take numerology to a certain dimension, it becomes demonic, completely demonic. Omens, palm reading, phren- phrenology, you know, tea leaf reading, telepathy, witching, and also all books that contain that teach or contain occult practices. Also involvement in false religions. These are some of the false religions that exist today in the world and active. Anthroposophy, Anthroposophy, Black Mass, Children of God, Christadelphians, Christian Science, Free Masonry, Inner Peace Movement, Jehovah's Witnesses, Don Bible Students, Memons. Church of God, Church of Jesus Christ of the Latter-day Saints, New Age Movement, Religious Science, Resurrectionism, Scientology, Spiritual Frontier Fellowship, Spiritualism, Theosophy, Unification Church, Unitarian Church. These are all called groups, sects, that exist today in the name of religion. If you've ever been involved with any of these things whatsoever, you need to confess them as you go further to release yourself from any curse. And I'm talking about symbols, amulets, anchors. An anchor is a cross with a ring on the top. Birthstones, charms, charms of any kind. Many of us, when we we're growing up, we had charms. And new friends that had charms. Crystals used for healing, hallucination. Hallucination uh, drugs, heavy metal rock records of cassette, hex signs, lucky symbols, you know, invert, which is like inverted horseshoes, ouija vaults, pagan fetishes, or religious artifacts, planters, talismans, zodiac charms. If you are unclear about any area of any area that has been mentioned in the list. Ask God to make it clear to you. If you have been involved in any, at any time in such activities or practices, you have crossed an invisible border into the kingdom of Satan. Since that time, whether you know it or not, Satan has regarded you as one of his subjects. He considers that he has a legal claim to you. Since the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan are in total opposition to each other, you cannot fully enjoy the rights and benefits of being a citizen in God's kingdom until you finally, you know, and forever destroy the connection with Satan and totally cancel any claim he may have against you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 to 15, Paul stresses the necessity of a complete break from Satan's kingdom. He says, what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial, which is Satan. In this verse, he concludes, in verse 17, he concludes with a direct charge from the Lord himself. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. This last part, do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. What does that mean? If you are touching on clean things, Christ will not receive you. You go, okay? Making this break also requires that you deal with any contact objects. That is, objects that would still link you to with Satan. I mentioned last time about setting frames. There was a time when we were looking for a house to buy. I and my wife went to a certain apartment and when the guys took us to the basement, there were some paintings on the wall that just by looking at those paintings you don't have to be spiritual to know that they were demonic the paintings were really demonic and sometimes you go to a trade store and you buy a painting of a certain statue or certain image you don't even understand what it means and you put them in your house that becomes the devil's antenna to monitor activities in your house and to oppress you sometimes you wonder why sometimes you stay in the house your children are having nightmares all kinds of confusion, arguments are going on under your house, and you don't, you don't know where it's coming from. you planted Satan's antenna in your house. So any satanic objects that you have, anything that represents Satan, that you have in your possession or in your house, you have to get rid of them and destroy them. If you have any books, maybe you have books like books, like seven books of Moses, and those books that are used for astral meditations, or pornographic books, pornographic materials, anything satanic or occultic, you have to destroy them. And the Bible says, when you destroy them, he will receive you. You know, this could include many different items. You know, without we can all mention, you have to burn it, smash it, throw it into deep water, whatsoever you have to do, do it to get rid of it. If you are ready to make this release during when we are praying, you could pray a prayer like this. I renounce all contact with anything occultic or satanic. If I have any object, any contact object, I commit myself to destroy them. I cancel all Satan's claim over me in the name of Jesus. That is a claim, that is a last. that is a prayer you pray to release yourself from all contacts with the occultic and Satanic practices. Number six, you are now ready to pray the prayer of release from a curse. This is very important. I'd like you to pay close attention. Number six is where you pray the prayer of release from that curse. If you have been willing to commit yourself to each of the preceding five steps, you are now at the place where you can pray the actual prayer of release from any curse over your life. But remember, there is only one basis upon which we pray this prayer. The exchange that God took your place when Jesus died on the cross of Calvary. Included in this exchange was a provision for release from every curse. By being hung on the cross, Jesus became a curse with every curse that could ever come on you that in turn, that you in turn might be released from every curse and receive God's blessing in its place. So the holy foundation in which we pray this prayer is not because we are prayer warriors or because we are righteous. It is on that exchange, the finished work of Jesus on the cross of Calvary that we pray this prayer. Now, it is important that you base your faith solely upon what Jesus Christ did when he died And made that sacrifice on the cross. You do not have to earn your release. You do not have to be worthy. If you come to God with thoughts like that, you will not have a solid basis for your faith. God responds to us only on the basis of Jesus Christ. Only on the basis of what Jesus Christ has done on our behalf. Not on the basis of our merits or anything that we have done for ourselves. Now pause. At this point in the prayer, you have to pause. Before you pray this prayer of release, it is wise that you reaffirm those five preceding confessions that we made during the first five steps. To make this easier for you, you know, we have, I have made these five stages into a single prayer that you can pray. And once you pray those prayers, it will complete stage one, all the way to stage six, which actually releases you from that care. Like I said, today I'm just teaching about it, and on Friday we are going to pray the actual prayer. And I'm also going to record this prayer on Friday so that if you want to send this to anybody, it will be a four, four part series, which brings anybody out from any care. You can forward them to family members, friends, if they want to be free from any care. If you follow these five steps, these six steps in faith, or these seven steps in faith, I guarantee you, you'll be free from any curse. Even without going to any deliverance preacher, you can be free from any curse if you follow these five steps. Now, here is a complete prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, I believe that you are the Son of God and the only way to God, and that you died on the cross for my sins and rose again from the dead. I give, I give up all my rebellion and all my sins, and I submit myself to you as my Lord. I confess all my sins before you, and I ask your forgiveness, especially for any sins that expose me to a curse. Release me from the consequences of my ancestors' sins. By a decision of my will, I forgive all who have harmed me or wronged me, just as I want God to forgive me. Now, in particular, you, you mentioned those people that, you know, you know that I said, God may have brought to your mind that you need to forgive. And next thing you say, I renounce all contact with anything occultic or satanic. If I have any contact objects, I commit myself to destroy them. I cancel all satan's claims against me. Lord Jesus, I believe that on the cross, you took on yourself every curse that could ever come upon me. So I ask you now to release me from any curse over my life in Jesus' name. By faith now, receive by faith now, I now receive my release and I thank you for it. As simple as this prayer is, this is the seven steps composed together to free anyone and whoever from any curse. If they follow these seven steps and understand the teachings that I gave beginning from the first part of this series. Then the last step, which is step number seven, is believing that you have received and going on into God's blessing. Like I said, many of us who are Christians who admit that we have prayed this prayer to break curses more than 10 times. You break the curse today, you go to another church, another preacher show, and say, hey, You are under a curse because your grandfather did that. You go again out for prayer. They break that curse. You go to another ministry or you go somewhere to fellowship. The preacher is preaching again about the curse. You may be under an ancestral curse. The reason why you're not married, you don't have children, is because you're under an ancestral curse. You go out again to break that curse. So how many times do you have to break that curse? The only reason why the curse stays in place or, or you're not seeing the manifestations of God's blessings in your life is because you've not believed that you receive freedom from that curse. So once you pray this prayer, you have to believe that you've received freedom from that curse, that you've been released from that curse, and then now go on into God's blessing. The last part of this teaching will be showing us how to enter into God's blessing. Because after you get free from that curse, we have to pass into a blessed life. Now, how do I transition into a blessed life? There are principles that God has laid in place in the Bible. To help us enjoy the blessed life. So at this stage, you know, there is nothing you have to do. You don't have to analyze how the blessings will come or how God will set you free from this case. Just leave the rest for God. Let Him do whatever He wants to do. You do not you don't have to concern yourself with anything. Your part is simply to open yourself up with no without any reservation to all that God wants to do in and through your life. Allow His blessings to come in whatever way He wants. Remember that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ever ask or think. Ephesians 3:20. So do not limit God to, do, to doing only one thing. You think here's a simple word you can pray. Lord, I open myself to receive Your blessings in every way You want to impart me. In Jesus name, just say, Lord. I'm free from this curse, and I open up my life to you to restore me, to bless me in whatever, you, whatever way you want. God's blessings may be, may be unlimited when you get free from this case. So like I said, this is the seven steps that you can be free from any curse. And after you pray this prayer on Friday, believe that the curse over your life is broken. If you believe it, you don't need to pray any other prayer for any case. It has been broken. Don't let any other person come and put you under any bondage. Just like the, the Christians and Galatians. After they were free, the apostle Paul told them that they were free. And they received salvation by grace. And somebody else came and started teaching them that for them to be saved, they had to be circumcised. And apostle Paul wrote and said, who has been with you? Why did you start in the spirit and you are not ending in the flesh? It is the same thing. Many of us will pray a prayer like this, and we believe. And then a few days or a few months after, we go somewhere else, and a preacher starts to say the same thing, and we go out again for prayer. I if the first prayer we pray was not effective. Going out for prayer the second time is actually saying that whatever I did in the first, first place was not effective. I wasn't free. So you, re, you re-invoke that curse again upon yourself. So if you pray this prayer today, believe, and you will receive in the name of Jesus. Father Lord, I give you praise. I give you glory for what you've done today. I pray that these words will be polished in our hearts. Give us understanding as we pray these words, as we pray this prayer, as we follow these steps. Help us, all oh God, to be free, and be free indeed. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again, brothers and sisters, for joining us this evening to pray. I just want to remind you that on Friday, we will be praying the prayer to pass from curses to blessings. I implore every one of you to be present on Friday. Invite your friends, invite your neighbors. If you have family members that you think may be under a curse, connect them to this prayer line on Friday. We are going to release ourselves from the bondage of every curse. And lastly, on Saturday, between 8 to 10, we have our baptism service. I keep announcing, if you have not been baptized by immersion, if you are not plunged into water, When you got baptized, as no great Christian church, we believe that baptism is by immersion and not by sprinkling. So if you have not been baptized by immersion, please let us know. And on Friday, join us on Saturday between 8 and 10 as we go out to baptize. So if you want, let me know, and I'm going to send you the details and the address so you meet us there by 8 o'clock on Friday. Amen. God bless you all brothers and sisters and have a wonderful evening in the presence of the Lord. Amen.